You know that person who brags about all the great Black Friday deals they find? Well, this year, make that you. Shop earlier. Shop smarter. Shop Black Friday deals right now at Best Buy. You found perfect. Details at BestBuy.com. This program is sponsored by Amplify Peace. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Amplify Peace. We're all about exploring how we can listen, learn, and live differently in this crazy world. Today, we want to discover the impact of empathy, the strength of unity, the power of love, and the beauty of humanity. I'm your host, Lisa Jernigan, and joining me today is my good friend and Middle East traveling companion, author, speaker, Dale hansen Borg. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Dale, because I was going to just kind of try to ad-lib this, but Dale, there's so many things, amazing things that you've done, and you've been a woman that has so inspired me. And in my journey with discovering my global soul and the work that I do with Amplify Peace, you've been instrumental um, in, in the early days of really informing um, just how I see the world and how I how I show up. But I'm just going to read a little bit about that. You are an award-winning writer, editor, business owner, and foundation president who has served on the boards of several international development organizations, including World Vision, Opportunity International, International Justice Mission, and MAP International. Having traveled to 62 countries, I had to read that a couple of times, by the way. She has written about the people she met and the issues they face for a variety of national and international publications. While running a foundation focused on health needs in Africa, she witnessed the challenges women and girls face. She and her husband live in Annapolis, Maryland. And Dale, you recently, and that's what we're going to talk about today, you recently published the book, Strong Girls, Strong World, A Practical Guide to Helping Them Soar and creating a better future for us all. And I love your tagline is, you can make a global impact one girl at a time. And I love that because it just breaks it down. It's just one person, one relationship at a time. So my friend, welcome to Amplify Peace. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I just love being here with you. Oh my gosh. I've been so looking forward to this because like I said, we have traveled to hard places. I remember mm-hmm. I remember back early on um, when the Syrian refugee crisis was happening and uh, the refugees were going into Jordan and you sent me a text and you said, I feel like I need to go see what's really happening for myself in person. And I know it sounds crazy. Do you want to go with me? And I wrote, I actually wrote back and said, you have me a crazy, let's do it. And you remember, <laughs> it was... It was amazing. You had lined up a couple of organizations. We actually got into Zattery. We got to see, and it was kind of the beginning of the crisis and got to meet people and hear their stories and it wrecked. And it was, it was really informative for me. So, um, I love that we've traveled. We've been to Israel, Palestine together. We've been to, you know, different places together and always love traveling with you. And a lot of our work is focused around women. So I just want to ask you yeah. a question. What prompted you? to write the book, Strong Girls, Strong World? And then why now? Mm. Well, I wrote it for really three reasons. Um, The first is that in my travels, and, you know, we've both seen this, I've really seen that girls are just an incredible resource for the world. When you invest in girls, they come back and reinvest in their communities and their families in their whole country. So Girls are, to me, just such an incredible asset to the world that we, you know, we need to invest in them more. But then as I started getting into it, I started realizing, oh, my goodness, these girls in general, girls are discriminated against. Um, You know, they're they're marginalized. Um, 
they're abused. I mean, there are so many things that happen just because they're girls, just because of their gender. And it's just horrifying to realize that these things are going on in the world. So here we have this great asset. And then we have this huge disconnect because we are not only missing this asset, but we're actually keeping these girls from doing all the things they were created to be. But the third reason I wrote the book is because there are so many ways we can make a difference. And I think you and I are both people who we don't want to sit around and talk about the problems of the world. We want to do something about the problems of the world. We want to invest and we want to do something to make a difference. And when I started getting into it, and I realized sometimes there are some really basic things we can be doing that would make a huge difference for girls in the world. So I wrote the book um, really as a way, a roadmap, so people can understand what's going on. But then they can turn around and say, you know, even if I have 10 minutes, I can do something to make a difference for girls. And that's what I really wanted to do was to give give people an opportunity to invest in girls themselves. Well, and I love what's so good about your book is when I was reading it is um, it's very practical. And you you talk about stories, you use a lot of stories, which I love. And you give and then you'll give practical ways, like here's something you can do. And I think that's really key because a lot of times we we see all this going on in the world. And we see all these, and you hear even things with women and young girls, and you're like, but what can I do? I'm only one person. This seems so mm-hmm. overwhelming, so daunting. It's everywhere. And yet you break it down to like, well, this is what you can do. Yeah. And that's, I mean, and that's something that I have learned over the years. And one of the things, you know, one of the reasons to tell stories even is I got it wrong a lot. I mean, you know, you kind of bumble into these things. You and I have both bumbled into things where we are, you know, we're going, what in the world? You know, why are we here? How can we help? And then we sit and we listen and we learn and we start saying, oh, wait, here's a piece. Here's something I could do. And then we start to put it together. And so much of it is about listening and learning. And then really just asking God, is there a piece here that I can provide? Is there something I can do? And, you know, there are so many things we can do. So even if, I mean, I think the, that that's one of the things that people sometimes feel is, oh, I, I would, I wouldn't know what to, to do. I'd get it wrong. Um, you know, and, and yes, I mean, we get it wrong. We don't, we don't, we walk into circumstances that we don't understand. That's okay. Because at least we have our heart open. At least we're trying. At least we're listening. And sometimes, and, and you know this so well, sometimes people will say to us, thank you for listening to me. I mean, just being there and listening is such, you know, is such a gift sometimes to people. Absolutely. I remember we were on one trip and it was really a hard time in the world at that point. And like it is now. And uh, we just showed up against the odds. And I don't remember people were just saying, thank you for even just showing up. And you feel like, mm-hmm. oh, my gosh, that's the least I can do. Right. But yeah, if people just want to know that you see them, that you're listening, that you recognize their humanity, right? It goes back to mm-hmm. you see my humanity. And you, we do right. by just showing up. And, and we don't have Absolutely. to create these grand platforms. I think we see so much on social media and like, I got to start a whole movement. I got to create a platform. I got to do all this. And it's like, no, just what's in your hand? What can you do right mm-hmm. now where you're at? And that's what's so beautiful about your book because you actually walk people through, like, here's what you can do right here. And I, I, your book, I would just encourage people, like, even um, in groups, you know, women coming together in groups, yes. looking, going, okay, what can our group do? What can, what can mm-hmm. we do together? And um, neighbors or friends reading it together. Uh, 
I would encourage people to read this book with somebody because I think it triggers uh, conversations. I think it would, Mm -hmm. you know, it opens up dialogue to going, we can do something here. We can be a voice. Yes, yes. Like what we call amplify peace. How do we allow these stories to be amplified when a lot of times Mm -hmm. it can't be? And you're so good at that, like allowing stories and to be heard so people can do, okay, I didn't know. I didn't know. And I think a lot of yep. that, a lot of the work we do is to create awareness. So let me let me ask you. You've traveled sixty two countries. You're so far ahead of me. Um, I'm jealous, but um, I love it. I'm old. I'm old. You're I'm not old. You're, you know what I love about you? <laughs> uh, many things. You embrace life and you go for it. Mm-hmm. And that's what I love. That's one of the many things I love about you. Is you oh, just you, you don't sit back. You're like, I need to show up here. I need to go here. And you've been into really hard places in the world and countries, really hard places for 30 plus years. And I just want to say thank mm-hmm. you um, because you've Aww. been my life. And then we all, all of our lives have ripple effects. And I know you do yes. a lot of work because of your granddaughter. I want you to talk about mm-hmm. that because I have one granddaughter of uh, and seven grandsons and I have her face in front of me a lot. And I had her face in front of me reading your book. Explain to Aww. me a bit about that. Yeah, I think when Edie was born, um, and I have, I'm the mother of two sons, so I haven't had that experience even as a, with a daughter. But when Edie was born, and I started to observe her, and I started to see all this potential that she had. And I started to really have flashbacks, to be honest, of some of the other little girls I'd met in other countries overseas. And when I started to see Evie just, blossoming. I mean, you know, just these, you could just see this little mind, you know, exploding when she'd start to, you know, be able to talk and starting to, you know, explore and, and, and things started striking her as funny. And, and I thought of all this potential this little girl has. And then I also observed that my, you know, son and daughter-in-law did all these things to make sure that she had the possibilities of, of, you know, of growing and expanding her world. So they took care of her health. They made sure she was safe. They gave her you know, lots of positive attention. And yet so many of the girls who were born on the very same day as Evie had probably as much potential as she does, even though I'm, I'm a prejudiced grandmother. I think she's, you know, extraordinary. But let's be let's face it. I mean, girls have all of this potential. And yet if their health isn't cared for, if they don't have clean water, if they're just looked down upon by their families, all of that, all of that potential just starts to shrink. And instead of becoming these amazing little girls who, you know, imagine all the things they could do in their lives, they just start to shrink down because that's what they're told they need to do. And they, they lose out on so much. And I, I look at Evie and I think Evie, Evie could be president. Evie could be this. She could be that. And all of those things would be possible for other little girls in the world if they just didn't have so many obstacles to overcome. I mean, it's just so sad that there are so many obstacles in their way and so many times the opportunities are not offered to them. I'm not saying we we go in and, you know, be, become paternalistic toward these girls. I'm saying we give these girls the chance to be everything they were created to be in the first place and just get the obstacles out of the way so they can be those those incredible, incredible girls and, and women that they were created to be. And we have no idea the obstacles that so many young girls face around the world because we see life through our lens and where we Mm -hmm. are, that's typical. 
And that's been one of the things when you get outside and you start traveling, you start traveling to some of these countries and you're like, oh, we're not typical. Not at all. Yes, that's for sure. Right. So address some of the countries you've been to. Like, is there anything that stand a place that stands out where you're like, oh my gosh, this is, we got to do something about this. And then is there Mm -hmm. a positive story of change that is that you have seen have an impact on on girls and women? Mm. Well, I've spent most of my time in Zambia, more time there than any place. Although I've also been in Jordan with you a couple of times and also been there before. Um, Zambia is one of those places where I remember spending time. I was, I was working and, um, and I, and I started to hear people that I worked with say things like, Oh yeah, my sister had a girl. It's too bad. Maybe she'll have a boy next time. And I, I started hearing these things. And so can you imagine right from the start, the whole family is, is, is mourning the fact that this new baby is a girl and, oh, you know, maybe the next time it'll be a boy and we can be happy about it. So I, I started to recognize this happens right from the beginning. Um, and, and that is actually true in a lot of parts of the world. I mean, it, it's, it's a woman is in general uh, viewed as, you know, getting condolences for having a girl and getting congratulations for having a boy. So that's a, that's a tough thing to see. But also I'll tell you a story from Zambia, which is the girls were trying to go to school. And I remember this so vividly because um, they were having a hard time. They had to walk a long distance to school and they were being harassed. And some of the boys were kind of giving them trouble and, um, and it was kind of getting dangerous for some of them to walk to school. So they were, they were more hesitant to, to go to school. Somebody had the brilliant idea of bringing in a karate teacher mm. and giving karate lessons out in public just to the girls. So the boys would walk by and see these girls. And they, and one of the first things they taught them early on was how to, how to break a piece of board in half. So the girls were out there in full view, breaking these boards in half. And the boys are walking by going, oh, boy, those girls, we better not mess with them. Exactly. And it was so cute because the girls never had to do anything different. But the boys suddenly had respect for them. And they realized, oh, these girls are strong. And it wasn't just the boys' view of them. It was the girls' view of themselves. And I remember interviewing some of these girls and, and just asking them. And they said, we've never had to touch these boys. They just don't come near us anymore. They know. And they walked with such dignity and they just sort of held their head high and I just I thought it was just such a brilliant thing just to empower these girls and let them know they could take care of themselves and let the boys know that they could take care of themselves um and you know it was a a simple thing but it was just so lovely to see it really was well and a lot of these uh you know challenges barriers there are simple creative solutions and that's very creative right yes the thought to bring in a karate you know, teacher, <laughs> and then all they have to do is, you know, practice outside and it changes how they're seen and it changes how they see themselves because it's, you know, right. Exactly. Themselves. It's an inside job. So you want these women to see themselves, not let the stories there that the community of society or people are telling them stick to them, but like help them to see you are a woman of worth and dignity. Yes. How you show up, absolutely, too, right? Um, I would, I want to ask you. I know, I know you've done a lot of research, and you did a lot of research when when writing this book. In your research and in, in your travels that go with it, has there been something that surprised you that you went, "I never thought of that as a barrier. I never thought like to think that way 
for women or for young girls? How, was there anything that kind of bubbled to the top? Oh, well, a lot of things um, surprised me, to be honest. Um, I mean, one of the things is just that when a girl gets her period, it is such a challenge for her to go to school. And I, you know, you think, oh, well, yeah, I mean, it's you get cramps or whatever. Well, there is no place for a girl to have any any um, quiet, any place, any sanitation facilities for her to to deal with her menstrual period. So most girls just stay home while they have their period. They often don't have any pads that they can use or anything that um, is acceptable to use while they're away from home. So they they miss five to you know seven days of school every month, and at at some point they just give up. So there are a lot of of groups now that are are looking at that and saying. That's one of the main reasons we lose girls at adolescence. That's why they drop out of school. We've got to provide opportunities. And so um, they call it period poverty, which is it's such an interesting name. But, um, but, but they talk about the fact that the you know, beginning of a girl's period is often the end of her education. And mm-hmm. we can do something about that. I mean, we know how to manage things like that. And that's something that there have been um, a number of, of organizations that have started to, to really address and I'm so grateful for because honestly, it never occurred to me in in many cases that this was something that was really a, a problem for girls. I, I remember hearing that too for the first time, and I'm like, I never would have thought about that. But it's mm-hmm. so true. And I was just, I was just in Kenya a few weeks ago, and we were talking about that. And you know, they're they're trying to have you know reusable, you know, hygiene mm-hmm. because they don't have access to paper products and hygiene things like right. this. living out. In, in the bush and they're living out in little villages and they don't have all the access to things like we have. And so it is, again, how do you see people? How do you see real needs? And then what can we do about that? So as, as our mm-hmm. listeners are listening to this and they're like, yeah, what can I do sitting here? Yeah. What can I do to create global ripples or to really make a difference somewhere, even if I can never get on a plane and travel there? So how mm-hmm. what would you, you say to people listening, thinking that right now? I have really tried hard to give you dozens of ways in this book that you, you can do something right from home. I mean, one of them is there's a great group called Vitamin Angels, and um, they donate to pediatric vitamins as well as maternal vitamins. And um, just by buying the right kind of vitamins, like I go out of my way now to buy brands of vitamins that contribute to Vitamin Angels. That doesn't, I mean, it's not a big deal. I just buy a different brand of vitamin. And actually, I like the vitamins better now. But um, but that's a simple way to do it. Um, another thing is you can donate eyeglasses. I mean, I've started a, a little eyeglass drive. Um, and we all have, you know, extra reading glasses that aren't, you know, so fun anymore. Or uh, our children outgrow their glasses. Huge need for, especially for children, um, to have reading glasses. And you can donate them through the Lions Club usually or through some other groups that I mentioned in the book. Um, I mean, simple things like that, that you can do. Um, there, you know, one of the groups that I, that I love to support is World Bicycle Relief. They provide bicycles for girls to, to ride to school. Again, often going long distances to school is often not very safe for them to walk. So to give them a bicycle is huge. And it costs about two, $250 to, to provide a bicycle for a girl. Um, so these things are, you know, you can get a group together if you, you know, Ten dollars each, and you could you could get there pretty quickly. Um, there are just so many things. There's a group called Tirza International that I love, T I R Z A H, um, and they have a bazaar. So Christmas is coming. Go on their website, 
to Tears of Bazaar and look at the various products they have that are all produced by women and girls and, you know, support them. Or there's another group called Shikambuso that I write, write about in the book. And all of these women, oh my goodness, I've known these women since they started this project. And they've gone from just barely being able to make ends meet to being so proud of their efforts. And they make beautiful bags. I mean, whenever I carry a bag that I've gotten from them, I get compliments because they're just gorgeous bags. And, you know, it's not hard to, to make a, a contribution there because you're going to, you're going to get the most beautiful product from these women. So there's just, I mean, those are such, you know, simple things. I mean, you can also, I mean, one of the things I believe in greatly is um, to do a well. A well makes a huge difference. It's about $15,000 to dig a well. Well, when you think about it, you could get your Sunday school class or your, you know, some group together. That can change the lives of about 300 people for years to come. And that means that the girls in that village will be able to go to school because they don't have to spend all their time gathering water. So, I mean, these are the kinds of things that once you start to understand why they're important, I never really understood that much about why wells were important. Wells are so important. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, once you start to understand these things and you decide where you want to contribute, it really can make a huge difference. Oh, absolutely. And what I appreciate about you have vetted these organizations. So as you're you're Mm -hmm. sharing these, like you can give to this, you can support this. You know, so many things we see, so many organizations, you never know, is the money really going where it's supposed to go? Is this really a legit organization? Just appreciate you putting this in the book, because I know that if you put it there, you stand behind it, it's vetted, it's legit. And so that's makes it, you make it easy for us to be able to support and to give and appreciate that, because that's what I love about the practical part of this book. Um, Share with us where, how our listeners can find this book, find more information about this that you're talking about before. I want. I still have another question for you, but I want to make sure we get this in your book. How to con? How to where to get it? How to do? You know, con- connect with you, whatever. Well, fortunately, the book is available in uh, at Amazon, uh, Barnes and Noble, Christian Books. Um, it's even at Stamps Club right now. So uh, Walmart, I think Target has it. So I'm fortunate that it's been you know it's been received and it's it's out there. I have a website called Strong Girl strongworld.com so you can uh, find me there and find more information as well um but yeah i mean it's um just just take a look at the book and see what you can find and i think you'll you'll find that there's something that you want to do i mean it it, it i don't i don't want people to feel guilty i want people to, to get excited about these opportunities because i think they really make a difference oh absolutely and the thing that i um that i i think really makes a difference when we invest in women and young girls it's such a generational ripple effects, mm-hmm. right? You're changing generations to come and, and the impact. Absolutely. There. It's just not that one girl. It's not that one woman. It's their children, grandchildren on down generational effect. And when you talked um, earlier about like the wells, clean water, you know, just w- was just in Malawi with world vision and got to see the difference. And we got to do a water walk with these women that went oh. to this, um, to this dry riverbed that sometimes has water and they dig this hole and they're getting their buckets and they're getting this water, which to me looks filthy. And that's their, it is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's just, I'm standing there watching this going, how do we allow this? And so that's why we were there. Well, And also with, yeah. And with little girls, especially, I mean, animals are, they're, they're uh, competing with animals to get that water and little girls often fall prey to the animals as they're trying to gather the water. It's just terrifying. 
we don't think of all those things, right? Because we mm-hmm. see our lens through kind of our Western box here and don't realize sure. so much of the world. Before we leave, give us a couple of statistics that I think statistics speak for themselves a lot of times that um, just what you learned from that are that have really impacted that um, that we can do something about um, just with mm. in the, in, in girls in our world. Sure. Well, I mean, we're talking about water. It, uh, the average, on average, girls and women spend 200 million hours each day gathering water. So instead of being able to go to school, they're gathering water. I mean, that is great. When I, that's one of those statistics I looked at, you know, two or three times and said, that can't be right. That's impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing is 129 million girls who are school aged are not in school. Now, COVID uh, really created some additional problems in the developing world, but so many girls are not in school. We need to get girls in school. That is probably the most important thing that I've come across. Um, and there are a number of reasons why they're not in school, but we need to get girls in school. And then the other thing is 12 million girls each year are married under the age of 18. And that is heartbreaking because that means that girls are giving birth to little babies when they're still girls themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, Their lives are not going to be the same and they're not going to finish their education. Typically it's a, it's a very sad um, situation for, you know, early marriage is just a terrible thing that happens to girls in too many parts of the world. So those are some, some of the statistics. Um, But you know, the, the reality is each girl, that we're talking about is just a precious little girl who deserves everything that my little Evie deserves. I mean, every little girl in the world deserves that. And we need to have a heart for that. I just want to thank you so much for joining this and being part Mm -hmm. of this conversation and just sharing your heart and your passion. As always, thanks for being part of this podcast and the Amplified Peace community. For more information on living as a peacemaker in today's world, Connect with us at AmplifiedPeace.com, and you can follow us on all social media. Shalom. This program was sponsored by Amplified Peace. This holiday season, Capital One reminds you to give yourself the gift of 1.5% cash back with the Capital One Quicksilver card. Can I earn 1.5% cash back on birds? Birds? What if you sent your true love to turtle doves plus a partridge in a pear tree? Sure, but why would anyone want that? The song was very convincing. Earn 1.5% cash back on all your holiday purchases with the Capital One Quicksilver card. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details.